Hey feminist friends and welcome to Real Feminism, the podcast where we discuss films from an intersectional feminist perspective. I am your host Jo and today I'm joined once again by my delightful co-host Hedvig. Hello. All the way from Sweden. Hey hey. <laughs> Before we get started on what we're going to do today, how are you Hedvig? How is snowy Sweden? It is snowy, actually, or it has been snowing quite a lot, but now it's gone above zero. So now everything started to melt. So it's like it's like a gray smudge, you know, just like smudgy gray snow sludge that you just slip around in. <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah, no. So, I mean, yeah, it, is, it has been great, but not so much anymore. I sort of wanted to go skiing as well. But then I also felt that since my back has so, been so bad this year, I feel like oh, yeah. it would have just been my luck if I literally went down one slope and then I would like fuck my back up. And yeah, it would not be a great start to the new year. So <laughs> no, I did not. not go skiing. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't be by it. <laughs> no, but other than that, yeah, no, it's been really good. I've been seeing family, eating tons of food, a lot of pickled herring, boiled potatoes, raw salmon, you know, mm. just the Nordic food stuff. Swedish stuff. Yeah. How about you? How are you? Well, I am good. For those who don't know, Lee and I are moving in together at the end of February. Oh, woo! Um, which is exciting. That noise made it sound like I'm dreading it. I'm really looking forward to living with Lee. I'm not looking forward to moving (laughs) and that whole thing. So we have been looking at flats and we have two viewings coming up and that's very exciting. But the two that we're most excited about haven't got back to us yet. And I think that might be because we're recording this in that weird bit in between Christmas and New Year's and some places aren't open until the 4th of January. Mm. so I can feel my anxiety brain is coming out because I'm like well should we even go see these two properties like should we just try and wait for the other two but then what if we we wait for all our eggs are in that basket and then that basket gets stolen by someone and we can't have those eggs anymore we should try and branch out with our eggs (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah I think you should just try and see as many places as possible yeah I mean there's definitely I'm going up to London on Sunday mm-hmm. anyway and that's so I've arranged the flat viewing for that day and then I'm working in London next Wednesday unless the world shuts down mm. so I've arranged one for then one of them is a walk from Old Street Station which feels very bougie and very central like yeah how is that even possible I don't know I was looking for places in Islington and within a quarter of a mile of Islington and that came up I was like okay probably can't afford it but Right, shall we get into the movie? Yes, yes, yes. Let's do it. Let's do it. Cool. So this week, and we were talking about Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl specifically, uh, which came out in 2003, which means that it's coming up to 19 years old. So not far off two decades old, which made my heart stop a bit when I realised that. That is crazy. Yeah. So I remember this coming out and I had a poster of Jack Sparrow on my wall. I I loved it. I still love it. Um, it was directed by Gore Verbinski. I can't read my writing, so sorry, everyone. Couldn't find any we- women. I couldn't find any women or any people of colour on the list of other behind-the-scenes jobs. Mm. That's a bit disappointing. Mm. And also disappointing, on the female side of things, 
for anyone who hasn't seen this film, it's essentially about some pirates going on an adventure to break a curse. And <laughs> along the way, they kidnap a noble. Oh, pirates, I love that. <laughs> and they kidnap a noble woman. She gets taken away, Elizabeth Swan specifically, played by Kira Knightley. She joins them as well on the journey. And her love, Will Turner, played by Orlando Bloom, wants to rescue her. So he hooks up with another pirate and they go and try and rescue her and follow them around as they're trying to break the curse. And it's great. It holds up um, visually. Still a stunning film. Yeah, definitely. Adventurous. It's got a lot of cool action scenes. Yeah. Very swashbuckly. So I've just mentioned Elizabeth Swan, who we have as our female to discuss. We also have a character called Anna Maria, who is a black woman. And she is one of the pirates who Jack hires to help him on his ship. I feel like she has a sort of a co-captain role or like sub-captain because she sort of steps in when he's not available to drive the ship. That's not... First mate? (laughs) <laughs> first mate Man, maybe woman the ship woman yeah, the first, ship. first mate i think first mate is probably what you call it so we've got her we've also got bosun and i think cola cola k-o-e-h-l-e-r um they are both black men who are pirates of the black pearl which is the curse that they're trying to break the curse of the black pearl which is the film title and um, so they're they're there and we also have a character whose name I wrote down a bit later on, who he has dwarfism, Jacoby. And one of the characters as well is Mute. Mr. Cotton is Mute. I don't know whether he is in real life or not, but I think Miss, Mr. Cotton might have a peg leg as well. Maybe. I feel like it's possible that he has. So before we get like into the nitty-gritty of the film, I just want to say that the film passes the female Bechdel test because Elizabeth and Anna Maria discuss how to lose the Black Pearl when they are trying to escape from it, hence why they're trying to lose it. So they're having a chat, Elizabeth's throwing out some ideas of what they can do, and Anna Maria's like, you're mad! But okay. But also, Elizabeth also has a conversation with her maid on how they're going to escape the mansion house she lives mm-hmm. in when they're being attacked yeah, that's true i don't i think i wasn't sure whether because they were talking about the men coming for them whether that counted right. or not right. i don't know but it does pass either way mm. the intersectional backdoor test it does not pass unfortunately but i'm very excited to talk about this film because it's one of the films i watched that made me want to do the podcast i watched it during the first lockdown i think and i remember thinking Elizabeth Swan's actually a pretty cool character. Mm. I want to talk about this with people. Mm. So here we are. I think it's also interesting because when I think of this film, I didn't think it would we would have a lot to talk about because like, as I remembered it, I remembered Elizabeth as quite a passive, very sort of stereotypical female role. But now re-watching it, I was like, hmm, you know, there is... There's quite a lot to her, actually. She's really, really cool. She's really cool. I like her a lot. I mean, we first meet her when she's on deck and they rescue Will. 
and she, I think she calls, sees him in the water, calls out for him to be rescued, and then she finds the pirate medallion and she removes it from him because she thinks, shit, he's a pirate and they've just told me, a child, that pirates are hung if they're caught. So that was pretty cool that she did that. And then we have the scene where she's being put into a corset mm. <laughs> and it's talking about how I think her dad says, well, I've been told it's the height of fashion in London. And she's like, well, women in London must have learned not to breathe. Yeah. And she's been like laced in, which I really enjoy. because I was like, yeah, it was really weird that people wore corsets like that. It's really bad for your organs. I think it like squishes them down and yeah. not good for your body. And I like that that's in there to set up her fainting later mm. on. It's not just that she's like, oh, a fainting woman. She's been put into this horrible constricting garment of clothing by her father mm. and the patriarchy. Exactly. And has fainted as a result. Exactly. And I feel like that could also be, you could also draw that to like a wider perspective that I feel like women of that era, like I don't know when this is supposed to be set, but on in the era of corsets and when that was like high fashion, you were so restricted in your physical abilities. Like you could couldn't move in certain ways, you had to sit in certain ways, you had to like your whole being was being changed because you were so restricted by things that had been sort of forced on you by society. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so well illustrated in her comment on that, that is the, and that she's really struggling when they're putting it on. And then also when she's fainting, because obviously that is not natural to do that to your body for yeah. that long of a time of a period, I think. When Jack like cuts the corset away from her, because he rescues her from the water when she falls in and realizes she's she can't breathe because of this corset is laced so tight she can't breathe she doesn't show any distress that she's what they probably would have thought of as being almost naked because she's wearing just her underclothes she doesn't care at all she gets up and is actually starts defending jack because they're like oh you're a pirate we're going to hang you and she's like no he saved my life you can't do that mm-hmm. that's not on obviously she's then used as a it's not a hostage I guess maybe yeah yeah okay so when Jack is sort of holding her hostage and using her to stop the others from shooting him she doesn't seem scared she like says you're despicable rather than being like oh my god the pirates got me ah <laughs> she's yeah. just like ugh, you're gross <laughs> 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 I just tried to save your life Mm-hmm. you repay me with this mm-hmm. so I, th- I mean this whole podcast might just be being like and then she does this that's really cool and then she does this <laughs> I enjoy this a lot too she f- tries to fight back when the pirates come into the mansion home that she's living in um she tries to get one of those swords out but it's a display sword <laughs> yeah. so she fights as much as she can to her ability and then she hides and then she shows her smarts when she invokes the right of parlay when the pirates do find her Mm-hmm. she then also figures out the pirates are interested in the pearl uh, not the pearl the pirates are interested in the medallion and manages to negotiate terms um through which they will leave the island alone i can't remember the name of the place where they're living actually so they leave the island alone and she gets taken oh so i think she actually tricks them into revealing that they're interested in the necklace because she says she's going to throw it over and they're like we don't care so she pretends to drop it and they're all like oh Mm. then she's like "Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah I think in general like as like a female character she's very driving in the narrative in general like she's super active and she she takes decisions and takes action and actually do things constantly 
mm-hmm. more than yeah. any of the other ca- characters i think yeah because she so she she's the reason the pirates have come to wherever they are anyway because of the medallion she then boards i mean i know she would rather not have boarded their ship but because she invoked the right of parlay she's on their ship and she instigates that they leave mm-hmm. so if she hadn't taken the medallion from or hadn't rescued will hadn't taken the medallion from will hadn't um, fought off the pirates and invoked parlay and then negotiated terms with Captain Barbosa. Mm-hmm. None of this would have happened. Will Turner would have stayed on the island. Jack Sparrow probably would still be in jail or he would have escaped in some other way. Mm-hmm. And this whole thing wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Particularly because she then lies when they ask for her name. She doesn't give her full name. I'm assuming because the maid said to her, or oh, they're going to want to kidnap you and mm-hmm. hold you for ransom because you're the governor's daughter. Mm-hmm. so I'm guessing that's why she lies yeah probably but I think that's the only reason that they take her and even when she's on the ship Barbosa demands that she wears this nice dress and she refuses until she finds out the alternative is to die naked with the crew mm-hmm. and then she's like okay well I, I just like that she's not she doesn't complain at any point she's not mm-hmm. she's not like upset by that choice she almost seems a bit like she's one with the two pirates who come to her who are like you'll have to dine with us naked her 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 and then she grabs the dress and sort of looks at them and they realize that she's not gonna be dining naked and she's almost got one over on them because mm-hmm. she's like well fine I'll just wear this dress then mm-hmm. and she tries to kill Barbosa as well when they're having dinner mm-hmm. and he's telling her this whole thing about the ghost stories she tries to kill him she tries to kill some of the skeletons i've written skellies in my notebook <laughs> um even though in that moment she is visibly scared and is screaming which i think is understandable because she's just discovered she's on an actual ghost ship surrounded by skeletons she still tries to hurt them when they realize that elizabeth is not the correct person they need to break the spell and they ask where bill turner's son is she doesn't tell them she's like nope Mm-hmm. fuck off even though like her life is in imminent danger at that point she comes up with the idea of how to lose the black pearl she comes up with a couple of ideas of what they can do and i think one of them doesn't work out and another one does um she gives the order to fire the cannon she joins in with the fighting she tries to rescue will and then we have that whole scene of them on the beach mm-hmm. which is one of my favorite scenes when they've both been forced to walk the plank and they've been marooned Mm-hmm. and she's like okay come on you've been marooned before how did you get off this island and it turns out he was just drinking rum the whole time and it was pure luck that a ship mm-hmm. came by if, do you know what it feels like jack is kind of that kind of classic white man character where they do absolutely nothing and they're just skating through life because mm-hmm. he doesn't he, he has a lot of ideas in terms of he, he knows who will turner is and how he's going to use him to his advantage but yeah. his feeling is, well, we'll just sit on this island until something happens. He, he doesn't pursue any avenues of escape. He's like, well, there's rum. We're probably going to die. So let's just drink. Mm-hmm. And she tricks him into getting really drunk. And then when he passes out, she sets all of the rum on fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <it's> so good. <laughs> Which is so smart. And then he's like, obviously that classic thing when he's like, but why is the rum gone? Yeah. And I like that she gives two responses. Like one, because it is a vile drink that turns even the most respectable men into complete scoundrels. And two, I think it's something in lines of like the whole English Navy are looking for me. Do you really think they're not going to come when they see this huge smoke cloud, like they'll be here within an hour. Mm-hmm. 
and she's right they're rescued so again their story would have ended there as you were talking about her agency it would have ended there if she hadn't found a way off for them and then after she's rescued she demands that they go and rescue will and um, she even agrees to marry norrington so long as they rescue will on the subject of norrington do we know their age gap I was thinking about this too, because you see him in the first scenes of the film when she's a little child. He's there as sort of, I don't know if he's like, he's not a commodore. 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 Um, Commodore. Commodore. (laughs) Commodore then, but he gets that promotion, I think, later on. But I think he's still quite high up in the hierarchy of the ship. So I would assume he's like 30-ish when she's Mm. a child. And now I don't know how how old she would be now but maybe she's around 20 ish yeah i i don't know why i thought she was maybe 18 19 i can't remember i don't know whether maybe it's because she's about 12 on the ship and then it says however many years later ah right yeah i can't remember but at one point she also says i saw i saw it eight years ago I think when it comes to the part, I think she's like, oh, I know this ship. I saw it eight years ago on the crossing from England. Mm. So she was, I mean, she was like maybe 10 to 12 in that first opening scene. And Norrington, as you say, he's not a Commodore yet, but he's definitely a fairly high ranking member of the Navy. So yeah, I think that's the first thing I wrote. I was like, mm, what is the age gap? Because he's mm. obviously older than her. Yeah, but I think it's also, it's not just the age gap. I think it's just something odd where you work in a company or the Navy with someone, in this case, Captain Swan, and he brings his daughter along these trips. And you get to know his daughter as a child. And then you mm-hmm. want to marry her. Like, I think that dynamic is just a bit, it's just a bit weird that you're like, you've seen this child grow up and now you're going to marry them when they're like, of age I don't know yeah I also find it gross yeah yeah (laughs) and strange I think it feels weird if you knew someone as a child to then decide Mm. you're interested in them yeah romantically when they're old enough for that Mm. uh no no I'm not into that so I think shows a lot of how much she loves and cares for Will, that she's willing to marry this man that she doesn't have feelings for mm. in order to rescue him. Yeah, it's a massive sacrifice for her. Yeah, hugely. And then uh, Norrington locks her away when they get to where the, the curse can be lifted, whatever that place is called, for her own safety. But she escapes, sets free Jack Sparrow's pirates, And then it's like, come on, we've got to go rescue Will. And none of them go to help her. So she goes off on her own. So brave. So brave. Yeah. Going into like a cursed cave where you have no idea what's going to happen. I mean, she's already seen the Black Pearl pirates when they're sort of, when they're unfleshed. (laughs) (laughs) When their true selves are revealed. When their true selves are revealed, which is already terrifying and then to sort of venture on your own into the very core place of that curse like you have no idea what's going to happen with you uh you have no idea what's happening in there i mean it's basically yeah she's like risking her life and she because she knows okay these these pirates can't be killed yeah and at that point she doesn't know that they're going back to the navy's boat so that they can attack them Um, So for all she knows, she's walking into a cave full of unkillable pirates and she's going completely on her own 
and again she doesn't she doesn't show a lot of fear in the film no which is she's very determined but i wonder where that comes from i wonder if it's like her her very sort of safe background because i think also you get sort of hints throughout the film that she's been interested in pirates or that she has an interest in pirates in general because she also knows about you know the parlay thing i think she knows about some bits from like the pirate world so obviously she is interested in that and there's something in the piracy world that she's drawn to so maybe that's why she's not that scared either like obviously she's scared when she sees the cursed pirates as skeletons but who wouldn't be to be honest Mm. but i think in in terms of the pirates like when she first boards the black pearl on her own as well for the parley like i feel like she's it's like a weird thing where she's scared but she's also like interested in the history of pirates and pirates who they are and also you know she questions that they should kill jack sparrow when he actually saved her life just because he's a pirate and stuff like that so i feel like there's something in her that is drawn to pirates in general yeah maybe the idea of like going on these adventures and not just reading about them because she does say to jackie the pirate of red about or not exactly actually i was thinking about this because i watched the Two Towers yesterday, Lord of the Rings. And there's a scene with uh, Eowyn mm-hmm. when Aragorn asks her, what are you afraid of? Or what are you scared of? Or something. Because I think she says, I'm not scared of, of death. Or like, I'm not afraid of dying. And he said, says, what are you scared of then? And she says, a cage. And I think mm. that's similar to Elizabeth Swan because I think there's that, it's that idea of as a woman in that era or time, uh, your place was very precise. It was like, this is your place. This is what you should do. You shouldn't go outside the bounds of these like walls that society has created for you. And I think that's also Elizabeth's, I think one of her biggest fears that she has to live in this role that she's not comfortable in. And that's why also she maybe seeks adventure and exploring new ways of living and doing things basically Mm, maybe the corset then is like a metaphor for that journey she has because at the start of the film she's constrained in a cage and then it's set free by this pirate he sets her free and in that act she yeah she gets to go on all of these adventures and then at the end when she's back in like the safe society that she's living in she stands with will to protect jack um, from being mm. killed and she chooses will uh, i do like that her father was like oh so you've made your choice and that he's not trying to force her to marry the commodore yeah she wants to marry the blacksmith apprentice who is also a pirate now <laughs> yeah yeah i think also one thing that would have been good or maybe it is or mm, i don't know I think one thing that would have been interesting to explore is like Anna Maria's and her sort of interactions Mm. more because I feel like also by seeing another woman in a completely different role to what she's seen before, she's obviously been exposed to women in like, I don't know, higher society, but also her maids, I guess. And that's sort of the only roles she's been exposed to um, that women sort of have. So I think that would have also been interesting because I feel like Anna Maria, I think she's the only female pirate. 
I think you're right, yeah. Because Gibbs makes a comment about how, like, I think he says twice in the film, it's not good luck having a woman on board. Mm. And Jack says about Anna Marie, it it would be worse luck not to have her. Mm. Yeah, exactly. So obviously she's a very experienced pirate and knows what she's doing. She's the first mate of Jack Sparrow's. She's sort of steering the ship when he's not available to do that. So that would have also been interesting to explore that a lot more like Elizabeth could have seen her more as a role model and inspiration for her own journey and see someone that's like done maybe what she desires to do or wants to do more mm-hmm. uh, yeah because she also I think fell outside of the the normal roles for women in a lot of ways one of the things I wrote down is that Aaron Marie suggests giving Elizabeth to the Black Pearl when they they've tried all of their options and they realize they're not going to escape it and she's like well they want her let's just give her to them Mm. I thought it was interesting they had a woman to do that because it's quite calculated to suggest doing that and it's understandable but I think a lot of times women are portrayed as just being very caring and gentle and nurturing and are therefore unlikely to be willing to sacrifice someone so that they can live. Mm -hmm. So I quite liked that she was like, and I also like that Elizabeth wasn't angry about it. (laughs) She wasn't like, oh my God, how could you? I think, I can't remember if someone says, I think Jack says, or she's not who they're after or something like that. And then Elizabeth Mm -hmm. realizes, where's Will? Or where's the medallion? Oh no, Will's there at that point. I think he says, oh, they're after me. They're not who they're after. so I like that she, she didn't get angry about that and that Anna-Marie was like, let's just give them her. <laughs> yeah. Who's this woman? I don't know who this woman is. It's a shame the other films aren't that great. I remember liking the second one and I can't remember if we see Anna-Marie, Anna-Marie rather, again. But I'm very curious to hear about her story because yeah. she's a black woman in the Caribbean during a time of slavery, which isn't mentioned at all in the film. How did she come to be a pirate and also someone who's respected by all of these male pirates? Because none of them question her when she's steering the ship or giving orders. Yeah. That would have been a good film. Yeah, that would have been great to explore. Disney. Yeah. Another follow-up, please. Can we have another pirate film? Yeah, just for Anna-Marie, not another Jack Sparrow one. We don't need that. I feel like as we're a feminist podcast, it's good to, it would be good for us to mention everything that's happened with Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, because I believe in the UK, he lost his libel case against the Sun. I think he printed the allegations that he had physically assaulted Amber Heard. But in America, the court ruled that her statement was false and that he hadn't attacked her. So It's a bit strange, the two of them, but I know his career has hugely suffered because of the allegations. And I personally feel okay still watching his films and enjoying the characters he's created because it went to trial and it came out false. And there's been a lot of witnesses who are close to the couple who have been named, who have come forward in support of Johnny and against her. And I know it's it's quite a tricksy thing because as feminists, we're always taught we should believe women and... A lot of the time, courts do not rule in women's favour, particularly in rape cases and sexual assault cases. So it's hard to know what's actually going on, but I just thought it'd be worth mentioning that. And maybe we'll leave that there. I don't know. Yeah, I think so too. It's really difficult to know. But yeah, maybe worth mentioning. 
I struggle, I don't know if you find this, but I struggle a little bit with, oh gosh, this could get us cancelled, with the idea that all women should automatically be believed purely because I feel like then that is going against the idea of being innocent until proven guilty. It's a tricky one because I think if any of my friends came to me and were like, this person has assaulted me, I would believe them. I wouldn't be like, well, are you sure? Mm-hmm. I'd be like, oh my God, that's awful. What can I do to help? What can we do mm-hmm. about this? But I struggle with things like this. I'm like, well, if this went to court and they found her to be guilty of lying about this or they found him to be not guilty of what she's accused of, mm. I, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I don't know either. I think it's, it's really it's really tricky because as you say, it's known that women haven't been believed in court for ages. And I mean, it's just recently, like in Sweden, I think that was two years ago, three years ago, that consent law went through. So now there's like a consent law. Uh, so you can actually be convicted if you have sex with someone that clearly doesn't want to have sex with you. But yeah, I think it's, it's such a fine line. And I struggle a lot with like cancel culture in general. Um, Me too. Just because I feel like, Oh, oh my god I feel like we're going into very tricky path now <laughs> but I think I mean it, I guess it depends I mean okay I think it's really difficult in this day and age in our sort of social media climate to really know what's true and what's not true and it's yeah. very easy as well for people to accuse people of things both for good and worse so that's what I mean. I feel like there's not a straight answer to it, but I think it's a tricky labyrinth and like a tricky subject to tackle. But yeah, I feel like in the case of Johnny Depp, I agree with you that I will still watch his films. Yeah. And maybe we should leave with that. <laughs> yeah. And I think if new stuff came out, I wouldn't be like, well, no, I'm going to avoid all of this stuff because of this thing. And, and if, you know, it is true that he's because I I believe she is actually very abusive towards him is what the sort of counter argument is and what people have come out who know the couple have said it's really really sad that he's then lost like the Pirates of the Caribbean role did Johnny no he is Johnny Depp the Captain Jack Sparrow role that he's had he's no longer on the Fantastic Beasts that's really sad Mm -hmm. for him yeah yeah no definitely but again, as you say, it's hard because Brett Kavanaugh wasn't convicted. And ugh, yeah, it's a, it's a thorny one. But I just thought we should mention it because this is a feminist podcast and I didn't want us to gloss over the fact that this whole thing with Johnny Depp has come up because it, it's, a, it's a big deal. It is. It is. Speaking of Jack Sparrow, who, again, when I was younger, I loved. I think I wanted to both have sex with him and be him at the same time. <laughs> that's like some weird fucked up narcissistic like (laughs) fetish (laughs) yeah I know I think I maybe wanted to be him and then have sex with someone who looked like him I think I wanted to be like a cool pirate who was just really chill and was great with swords and shooting and hijacking boats otherwise known as ships and also I get to sleep with Jack Sparrow 
from a super superficial point of view, was he the only pirate you were into, or were there any others that he was the only one? Yeah, as a kid. Again, once I think it's weird though because obviously Johnny Depp, Jack Sparrow, is insanely attractive. He's probably one of the hottest men on earth. But then I think, oh my god, maybe we should cut this out because it's so superficial. <laughs> But I feel like the rest of the pirates and Anna Maria is insanely hot as well. Anna Marie, Anna Maria, Anna Marie. Anna Maria, I think. Anna Maria. Anna Maria. Very attractive. But the rest of the pirates, I don't know. I don't know. Barbosa is gross. I think they've also made Barbosa really gross because he's like a disgusting character. He's all grizzled. Yeah. And like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Will is obviously very attractive, but he's not really a true pirate. He's more like yeah. A- I've also I'm not an Orlando Bloom fan. Like when it came to Lord of the Rings, all of my friends were all over Legolas, and I was like, um, no, please, Aragorn. Yes, Do please, Aragorn. Um, yes, please, um, Aragorn. Yeah. <laughs> I had some fun crushes as a child. Like I think a lot of kids or like girls my age who were straight would have been crushing on like the boy bands, and I had like. Aragorn, <laughs> Jack, Jack Sparrow, <laughs> pinned oh. up, and Harry Potter. And not that I think I had a big crush on him. I think I was just like, oh my god, it's Harry! Oh, I don't know. Oh, but yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, he's a bit of a a Jack the Lad, if you know what I mean. A wee bit of a ladies' man, mm-hmm. which um made my eyes roll a bit like when he gets Tortuga two different women slap him mm-hmm. so I'm assuming that means he's like sleeping around and promising these women certain things and not delivering on the promises because mm-hmm. um, Anna I- Maria slaps him too but I think that's just because he stole her boat true I have this feeling about Jack Sparrow though that I feel like he's I mean I know he's not because he's obviously slept with a lot of people maybe women and men I don't know but I feel like he is sort of, I get the vibe from him that he's quite, quite not quite, that's the wrong term, but not sexually active. Or like I see him as a not a sexual being in a weird way. Ooh. Yeah. That's interesting. I don't know. I think it's maybe because he's so heavily in character that I just can't see him being real with another person in a sense, if that makes sense. Yeah. I don't get that from him. I think partly because... <laughs> because I wanted to be him and I wanted to fuck him at the same time. I think mostly because of the scene where he's drunk with Elizabeth and he's, like, kind of stroking her arm. True. And I can't remember what he says to her, but she's like, are you propositioning me? Or mm. something like that. I don't know. I do like the idea, though, that he would be bisexual or pansexual. I mean, it's not... They don't say it out loud in the film. But I no. can see him being like pansexual, you know. They don't like, say that he's not interested in men, so right? they can't prove that we're not right in this reading mm-hmm. or viewing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why there isn't anything that he that happens in the film that makes me think that mm-hmm. he's obviously very effeminate in mm-hmm. his mannerisms and I guess you know the way he is, his eyeliner and. Stuff like that, but as we know, that that doesn't mean that you're not straight. But I just, I just feel like he he seems interested in everyone in some respects. 
I don't I don't know how to describe why I'm getting this vibe, but I just feel like he wouldn't turn men down if they propositioned him. I think yeah. he'd be into it. I think he would be into it. I think he would be like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see. Me? Okay. I've had a lot of wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's try this. Mm-hmm. I still enjoy him a lot as a character. Yeah, definitely. Although I did, as I think I said to you, notice a lot more just how much he is coasting through life. Yeah, but I feel like... So much. I feel like, I mean, now I've been watching Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings and Pirates of the Caribbean in the last, like, weeks or so. And I feel like all the male leads in these films that have, like, insane tasks to do... I mean, Harry Potter, like, he he comments on that in, I think it's the fifth film when he starts to teach dark arts and like a defense against dark arts to to yeah he's just to clarify harry potter never teaches dark arts he's one of the good guys don't cancel (laughs) harry because he's teaching dark arts that was a vicious rumor had been made up (laughs) defense (laughs) defense against the dark arts and i think he says then in the beginning he's like no i'm not i'm not exceptionally like talented or anything like i've just had luck and have other people that helps me and i feel like it's the same in the lord of the rings like frodo he's just like obviously he has a very heavy burden to carry with his ring and stuff but if it wasn't for like all the other people around him like he wouldn't he would have been like dead long ago and i feel the same with jack sparrow like but i think think with jack sparrow it's more luck but yeah, it happens to like, oh, it happens to, ha- you know, I can't come up with an example, but he ha- happens to get off the island. Yeah, exactly. Get off the island or uh, get out of prison by mm. chance, you know, like stuff like that. Yeah, I think a lot of it as well. I wonder if a part of it is to do with his charisma and the way because I think he is very self-serving. I mean, we learn later on that throughout the whole film, he's been planning getting the pole back and essentially giving them will. Mm-hmm. But he's he gives enough to other people that I think they're interested in keeping him around, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, like, Will saves him at the end of the film, which he didn't have to do. They could have just watched him be hung and yeah. left it at that. But they think he's worthy of being saving. Yeah. Being saving? <laughs> They think he's worthy of being saved. Um, And there are a few other moments where it feels like Elizabeth could have been like, rescue me, leave him here. Mm -hmm. He's a scoundrel. Mm -hmm. Don't don't bring him. Mm -hmm. So I I don't know whether he's like bringing that out in people somewhat. I don't know. But I guess also with Jack Sparrow, there is some sort of, even though he comes across as a very sort of, happy-go-lucky guy being like I don't care whatever blah 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 I mean he obviously cares like because otherwise he wouldn't have saved Elizabeth when she fell down from the cliff yeah but maybe or maybe thought something it would be in it for him somehow like that he would get a reward or that he would benefit from it somehow but I think he just does it out of pure you know I think he he has some goodness to him. Exactly. Because again, at the end, I think he does signal to Will Turner his plan of action at the end. So he's not he's not completely screwing them over. Mm. Okay, shall we talk briefly? And it is going to be brief because there's not too much to talk about about the other intersectional characters. Mm-hmm. Oh, 
I have a question. Who is the small um, young black child who is with that man at the docks that um, tells Jackie can't park his boat there? Who he is? Because slavery isn't mentioned at all in the films, mm. which is stupid because that's the whole reason the British were in the Caribbean, mm. I believe. And then suddenly there was just this young black boy who presumably is, is not there willingly to help out this white dockmaster. Mm. And I was like... Who is this child? Why is he there? Is he being looked after? Is he being cared for? Is he a slave? Who is he? No one knows. Anyway, I mean, that goes to show just how few black people there are in the film. I was like, oh my God, who is this child? Mm. Or people of colour, of any ethnicity, race. Because there there were a lot of East Asian pirates, including some women. Fun story. And obviously, I think... They come into it a bit later. Don't know how well that's portrayed, though. Not sure. I think the two pirates in the Black Pearl who are black, Boson and Cola, Coella. Mm-hmm. Fuck. One of them sounds like Cola Cola, Cola Cola, and another sounds like Cruella. They do both have some speaking roles, and they are they do feel present in the film. In terms of if we if we look at like all the side characters or like. The, the I guess the pirate crews I feel like they have I mean obviously it's a few guys that dress up as in women's clothes and go out oh yeah um Pintel and Rigetti I wrote their names down yeah so obviously they're quite prominent because they're, they're like this comedic little duo but then I think in terms of the Black Pearl crew I feel like they have quite prominent roles like if you compare it to the other pirates yeah I think when I I mean obviously I've been watching this specifically looking out for them mm-hmm. but I feel like I remember them more and obviously um Rigetti and the other guy whose name I have written down it's oh yeah Pintan and Rigetti they're the two that I probably remember the most yeah I think there's also a guy right at the beginning who I don't think has any speaking roles but will I think hits him with an axe and then he sees him later on and he's like hi Mm. and has rolled a bomb but I think that's just because you're like wait hang on isn't that the pirate that mm. Will killed yeah I think those are the two after the Pintan and Rigetti Bosun and Coella Cola have the the more prominent role mm-hmm. yeah I did note down that both Bosun and Co- Coella fuck I'm so sorry Cola they are both very aggressive and scary, whereas the two white pirates who are quite prominent are very silly and foolish and mm. aren't scary. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a shame in a way because of the way society views black men as being fearsome and as people that you should cross the street to avoid and be afraid of. Mm-hmm. Obviously great, but they're included in the narrative and they have a part and boson seems quite high up i think a boson is a term when it comes to ships i think you can be a boson a boatswain a petty officer on a merchant ship having charge of whole maintenance and related work uh okay maybe yeah i don't know whether it oh deck boss a deck boss so i guess that's he... pretty, pretty higher oh yeah the most senior wait let me just is the most senior rate of the deck department. Boatswain and Boson are interchangeable, it looks like, on here. Mm-hmm. It's like the same name for it. So he's high up, which is great. 
So we've got two black characters on both of these ships who, after Barbosa and Jack, are sort of the next level. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. I mean, it would have been great if Jack or Barbosa could have been black, but 2003, we'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> I also, there's, I think Gibbs says something like, oh, is this your able-bodied crew to Jack? So talking about Jack's crew. Mm-hmm. And... I think I mentioned before that part of his crew is Jacoby, who has dwarfism, Mr. Cotton, who is mute. And I noticed that no one teases Jacoby for his height. No one tells him he's not going to be able to be a pirate because of that. No one says he can't do anything. Like he is just as capable as everyone else on the in the crew. Yeah, it's not even commented on, I think. No, I don't think he even speaks. True. I don't think. But I did like that they're not, he's not the butt of any jokes and he is as capable as all the other crew members. And I also noted down that I really like that with Mr. Cotton, they teach his parrots how to speak so that they can still, so that Cotton has a voice, kind of. (laughs) I really liked that. So that instead of them saying, well, you can't be on the ship because you're mute, they're working around his disability and finding 17th, 18th century yeah I like that they're finding ways around his disability and they've got him this parrot who they've taught to speak for him so that he has a voice with the crew (laughs) yeah that's really nice and again they're not like teasing him for it or saying he can't do anything Mm -hmm. that the others can't so I I liked that a lot Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's all I have to say apart from Pintan and Regetti are made to dress as women to distract the men in the navy and when Norrington sees them he tells the men to hold fire which and then they just sit there and watch them until Pintan and Regetti get into a fight and then their skeleton sides are shown Mm -hmm. I was like why wouldn't you know there's loads of pirates in there (laughs) if you genuinely think they're women why wouldn't you be like right you guys row over to them see if they're okay but also, couldn't they have been, like, female pirates? Yeah, definitely. And they obviously were, like, some kind of decoy, but I was like, you guys are so dumb. Yeah, so stupid. Yeah. yeah. It's so, yeah, I, I made that comment as well. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think they get into a fight because the guy with the wooden eye is like, oh, I think you look really nice. And the other guy's like, oh, thank you. And then, re- and then it's like, wait. I think he then feels insulted because mm-hmm. he's obviously a manly man and doesn't want to look nice in a dress, mm-hmm. which also made me roll my eyes a bit. But I think that's all I have to say. I think we've covered everything there is to say about Pirates of the Caribbean. One thing <laughs> I'm struggling with, how do you say Caribbean in English? Caribbean. Carib- um, Caribbean. I say Caribbean. Caribbean. Yeah. Caribbean. Caribbean. But I don't know if it's incorrect to also say Caribbean. I don't know, but I, I say Caribbean. Caribbean. And I think that's how they pronounce it in the film. Yeah, I think so. If they even mention the Caribbean. I don't know. I don't know either. Okay, how should we rate the film? Ooh. Oh, yeah. I forgot about this. <laughs> <laughs> that thing uh, we do. The thing we do... I think from a female point of view, compared to a lot of other films we've done, I think Elizabeth Swan is a really cool character. Yeah. And I think we could give her a pretty high score. I'm thinking either a four or a five. 
Yeah. Because we also have Anna, Anna Maria. Yeah. Who's pretty cool too. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I mean, Elizabeth is, I guess, yeah, I mean, she is one of the leads. So that will also, yeah, I think, yeah. There's a lot of screen time. I did also write down that um, we see some body diversity in Tor- Tortuga. We see a lot of women with big old jugs um, and quite sure. fleshy bodies, which is nice because obviously Kira Knightley is stunningly beautiful and very, very slender. Yeah, I guess um, Anna Maria as well. We yeah. Like her body that much. It's not, yeah. No, she's not. wearing quite loose fitting clothing, I think. Yeah. Anna Maria. Yeah. Um, I'd be happy with a five. Yeah, sure. Let's go for the five. Okay, let's go for five. And then on the intersectional side, there are lots of characters there, but none of them are like the three main. Yeah. And they're not that. Yeah. So I don't know whether two, either a two or a three. I, I don't know whether three is too generous because um, I do really like Anna Maria's character, but yeah, the characters in the film who we've included in the intersectional bracket, and I'm going to include Mr. Cotton and Jacoby in there. Mm-hmm. I feel like their roles aren't big enough. They're more no. filler characters. Yeah. I feel like if Anna Maria would have, would have had more of a prominent role. Um, yeah. More of like a guide sort of more experienced woman for Elizabeth to look up to definitely would have rate higher but yeah I think too probably okay cool so a seven out of ten pretty good that's not bad for a 2003 Disney movie mm-hmm. definitely yeah well good done job, pirates well done well done pirates woo <laughs> applause for you cool if you want to let us know what you think whether you would have rated it higher or lower you can let us know by getting involved on Facebook and Instagram at Real Feminism. That's real spelled R-W-E-L. I would like to say a very big thank you to Hedvig for joining me from Sweden today and interrupting her holiday so she can record the podcast. Thank you, Jo. You're welcome. Thank you to me for being here. And um, we actually were meant to record this a week ago, but I had a stomach bug. <laughs> and I think for one of the first times ever, I was like, yeah, I can't record the podcast. <laughs> so but it's cool we recovered we're still alive we're here thank you very much to lee for doing all of the editing and producing and artwork for the podcast he actually also took time out of his holiday with me when we were in devon so he could edit an episode so we we love lee he's great thank you very much thank you lee thank you very much to sanja for the music you hear at the beginning and end of this episode And I believe all that's left to say is that we will be back in your ears in two weeks' time where we will be doing Terminator 2. Oh, yeah. Very excited for this. But until then, bye. Bye.